Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and the moderator for this morning's meeting. Today is Sunday, December 13th, 2020. The share ID numbers for Friday, December the 11th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,971, that's 15971. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,972, 15972. This morning, A Vision for You presents Half Measures Availed Us Nothing. The 12 steps are introduced in Chapter 5 of the Big Book with these words. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Our path is the 12 steps. They are the heart of recovery. To work the program is to work, to apply, to implement the 12 steps. We submit to a simple process that is not easy, yet takes us to a place we've never been. The Big Book provides clear-cut directions to these steps and its approach to recovery. The disease of compulsive overeating has beaten us into a state of reasonableness. Our experience of powerlessness becomes our driving force of desperation to be ready and willing to do anything which will free us from the bondage of our disease. Joining us today to share her story of transformation as a result of these 12 steps is Brandy M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Canada. Brandy is devoted to our way of life and is eager to carry this message of recovery. And with great appreciation, I welcome Brandy to the line. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much for having me here. I just want to take a moment and bring God into this conversation. Um, I got to say, I'm just going to be straight up and honest with you guys. I... You know, when I first came and heard about vision in 2017, all I wanted to do was be able to do a special edition because I wanted to arrive. I wanted to be a part of this gang, but I did not want to do what you guys did. I, it was a tall order. And for me at that time, it just was not something that I was willing to to do, and I think that because I was not desperate, I was not in a place of desperation. You know, I still had a little more research that I had to do. Well, I guess a lot more research to do, which I'm here to share with you guys today, and I'm excited to do that, and I just hope that God speaks through me and um, shines his light through this conversation. Um, you know, what it was like, I, I grew up in a pretty normal home my mom was a single mom and she she really tried her best in everything that she she did she loved me beyond belief you know she she tried everything to try and help me with this problem and you know she was always so baffled as to why I couldn't why I couldn't lose weight why I couldn't you know just 
just be like the other kids and not, and not eat. And, you know, she, she took, she took my weight problem on as a mission, her problem to solve because she cared so much about me. And, you know, I just continued. And, you know, today I know the reason why I continued was because I was born with this disease. And I, you know, I remember seeing pictures of me eating and, you know, there was this one, this one time when I asked my mom in the photo book, I said, mom, why did you have so many pictures of me? Like, why is there so many pictures of me in the same dress? And, you know, I'm kind of floating around, I'm behind the curtains. And, you know, and my mom says to me, she says, well, you wouldn't sit. And I said, oh, okay. So like, what'd you, what'd you do to get me to sit? Cause like, look at these pictures. They're pretty good. And she says, well, we just gave you some candy. Oh, okay. So I was two years old at that time. Um, so food was something that, you know, my family used in order to get me to relax and calm me. So, you know, from a very young age, I was using food to, for that ease and comfort. And, and I do know today that I have, you know, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And I was born a compulsive overeater. I wasn't, you know, this wasn't something that I acquired because my life was crappy or because of situations. Um, it was because, you know, I am, I'm a compulsive reader. I'm the real deal. And, and today, I, you know, I'm grateful of that knowledge. Um, going through school, uh, I was always a heavy kid. When I look back, I wasn't, I thought I was heavier, but I wasn't as bad as I thought that, you know, as bad as everyone made it. Um, I do have to say that my family, you know, even outside my mom, you know, my dad, my, my grandparents, everyone, you know, it was all about Brandy's weight. You know, it, I, I could never show up at a family function and just be accepted. It was all about, was I, you know, how had I lost weight? Had I gained weight? Was I still big? Why was I eating so much? You know, like my mom needs to do something. And, you know, my, my mom was not going to be able to control any of that, any of that. And, you know, my dad left my mom when I was three and uh, he was kind of in and out. His girlfriends were a lot more important than us. And so, you know, my mom was our primary caregiver. And, and I remember, you know, my, when my dad would come to visit, he would call me like pork chop and, you know, like, what you eating, Brandy? And, you know, just really things that I would never call my kids, you know, I was, I was, I was called. And, you know, I also look at the things that happened when I was a child and see myself today as a parent and can understand, you know, I look at my parents with love, compassion, because they were doing the best they could. It doesn't excuse their behavior but they were just showing up as people, you know, they had stuff going on for themselves as well. And they were just doing their best. They thought that that was helping me, you know, and I remember I was so embarrassed one time I had went and every weekend we went to my aunt's and the adults would all drink and, and, and it was like, you know, the older houses where there was the dining room and, um, 
and I would sit, my aunt would make like the best thing. She would make the best chocolate pie. And like, I would sit at the table and all the other kids and my sister and stuff would be playing. And I would just sit at the table and I would eat. And, you know, adults would come in and be like, Brandy, why don't you go play? Why don't you just go play? And, you know, I would leave because I was embarrassed. But I was always drawn back to that table and, you know, sitting there. And, and you know, that was pretty much my life of, you know, as a kid, my, my mom constantly saying to me, I think you've had enough, dear. I think you've had enough. Brandy's really putting on weight, you know. And I was compared to a sister who you know, I resented during my whole childhood. And, you know, because of what adults set us up to be, you know, adults set us up to be in competition. And I always compared myself to her. You know, my dad told me several times, why can't you just be more like Kylie? Why can't you just be more like her? You know, she, she doesn't eat like that. She's thin. She was a good kid. You know, I was a shit disturber. I, you know, I needed to find a way to find attention, like, even if it was negative. And that's what I did. You know, I learned very quickly that to be funny, and I learned to cause trouble, because people paid attention to that. And because God knows I was not getting it through, you know, just being who I was, because who I was was not good enough, because I was fat, you know, and so... I carried that through my whole life, not good enough because I'm fat. And, you know, today those are still some of the core things that come up for me. And thank God for this program because, it could, you know, it's, it's proved to me that those are just lies. Those are things that my disease wants me to believe, and it's not true. And, you know, I, my, my dad would tell me, no man's ever going to love you, Brandy, if you're fat. Like, you've got to get this weight off. And, you know, I, I carried that. My behavior reflected exactly what my adults in my life told me. And so what did I learn? Well, no man's going to love me if I'm fat. So I better be funny. I better be disruptive. And I better be, pro- like, promiscuous. You know, I better be that girl that will give anything to be loved. And, you know, that's what I did. That's what I did through my, through my childhood. I, I had relationships and, you know, very young, like 14 years old, I was, you know, doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have been. And I was drinking and I was, I was just doing whatever to be accepted. And, you know, that's kind of the way that I went through my younger years is, I wanted boys' attention very badly, and it didn't really matter about girls. Like, if you liked me, cool, then that, that was cool. And, and, and I was pretty popular because, you know, I was a nice person, um, but I was also very backstabbing. And, you know, I maybe was really nice to your face, but maybe behind your back, not so nice. And, but I just really, really wanted the boys to like me, so I did anything for them to like me. And, you know, if I, if boys liked me, then I was okay. And, you know, and then as kind of life went on, if, if people liked me in general, that meant I was okay. I was never okay just being Brandy, never. And, you know, I came into this program and um, I came into this program at 16 years old 
and today I'm 42. And, you know, I, I heard of, I heard something and it said, you know, sometimes the fruit gets picked before it's ripe. This, this was me, you know, <clears throat> I came into these rooms, I was hurting. I was really lost in my life. You know, I was doing things to get attention to fit in. I was about, I think when I walked in the rooms, I was, I was in grade, I was in grade 10. I just started grade 10. So like I was a baby. And I look at my daughter today and I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, my daughter's in grade 12 and I can't believe like I was in program throughout all of high school. And I couldn't imagine her doing this. She, you know, she's just not there, like, and as far as understanding. And today I do see that, you know, I wasn't at the place of desperation. I was about 298 pounds, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, although lost, again, I came into the rooms. I'll never forget my first meeting. It was a Wednesday night, and it was in a church. And, you know, I, I believed in God. Like, my mom told me, we prayed at night. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. And, you know, like, thanks, God. And, yeah, we prayed. Um, but we never went to church. So, but I went to Catholic school, so I had some sort of idea um, I knew I could pray to God, like he was like a Santa Claus, you know, whenever I needed anything, that's when I would pray to God. But, you know, I wouldn't get it all the time, which then I started to not really believe. And so I walked into this church and I went downstairs and I was like, I saw this room full of people sitting in a table. And I mean, I'm 16, right? And they're all skinny and they're all old to me. And so I'm like, hmm, nope, not today. So I walked back up the stairs. God, it was hard to get up those stairs being that big at that time. And I sat in this church and, well, I didn't sit, I was standing. And I remember saying, hey, God, if I'm supposed to go to this meeting tonight, please bring somebody through the doors that's as fat as I am. And God has such a good sense of humor. Within seconds a woman walked in way bigger than me. And I, you know, I could ask her because I felt comfortable with other people that were bigger like me. And so I said to her, I said, you know, do you know where that OA, where the OA meeting is? And she said, yeah, you know, and she brings me down to the same room where there's these old people and these skinny people. And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out why are people here that are skinny? Like, isn't this a one and done? Like, you just get a diet and you move through? And, you know, I learned quite quickly that that's, that's not what this program is about. And in those days, I got to say, like, you know what? The big book was their primary text. And, you know, I remember being invited to somebody's house for a big book study. And we sat at her kitchen table and we, we read the big book. And, you know, I don't know how much I took in at that time because, you know, I, I ended up in the first year of, of being in the rooms. I, I don't say I was in recovery because, you know, knowing what recovery looks like today, um, I was as best as I could be at that time. You know, when you know better, you do better. And I was, um, 
I was reading the book and I was doing the steps and, you know, I, I was just doing my best at that time. And, you know, I was really, I was really thrown into this program. And at that time I had also quit school because I was just being, I was being bugged too much and I couldn't handle it anymore. So here I was a grade 10 dropout. And so I just, you know, for that year, I immersed myself in this program and I did what I had to do. And in that year, you know, I lost over a hundred pounds. My life started to get back on track. Um, and, you know, I learned more about God and I learned, you know, but not to the point where I was surrendered. Like I still had a good portion of my will. And, you know, I, I had these moms that I never had before that, you know, would say to me, oh, girl, you're so lucky that you're in these rooms. And, you know, at such a young age, and I'm like, what? I'm lucky? Like, what are you even talking about? I'm not lucky. This isn't lucky. Like, who comes here this, this young, you know? And, and I was the youngest person in the rooms for a very long time. And, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anyone in our, in our group to date that was that young. And so, you know, I just, I just carried on with the program, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have that personality change. I didn't have the transformation. And I ended up, you know, my mom's in OA told me that I needed to go back to school. Like I couldn't, you know, and so that was good. That was really good for me, you know, and my mom at home was saying, yeah, you know, you got to go back to school, Brandy. And so I did. I went back to school and here I was. I'd arrived. I was thin. People were looking at me. I had boys' attention. I finally got a boyfriend that was good looking. And I started to just live my life. And I had no idea how to fit this program that I had done all year into my current life because I, all, all my life was was programming that year. And so now I had these friends. I was going to, you know, I, I was 17 and I had fake ID. I was going to bars. I was, you know, like life, life was grand. I was thin. And at that age, it was, it was pretty good. And, you know, I always think back because OA was my best kept secret throughout. So I was in the room for, you know, 25 and a half years before I, before I actually, you know, got to the gift of desperation. And for that 25 years, it was my best kept secret. I didn't tell anyone I went to OA because I was so shameful and I was embarrassed and I didn't want people to know because I still like was showing up in, you know, in a lot of my character defects. And, you know, my mom and my sister knew, and my mom, my mom was like, you know, that's a great program because, it makes you not cry so much. And my sister would be like, and yeah, like we can actually talk to you now. And, and you don't always cry. You don't always get so offended. And, you know, that was there. And they, they had seen me take off all this weight. So, of course, that was awesome to them. Like they loved OA. They thought this was the best thing ever. And they, you know, when they saw me struggle, they would say, do you think you should go back to those meetings? And I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe, you know, and I would just carry on with my life. And and things, things progressed in this disease. Things got worse. You know, I, I fell, this, this amazing boyfriend that I had that was so good looking, you know, poor guy. I gained like 120 pounds in, I think it was like three or six months. And he's like, what happened? Because he doesn't know about OA. 
and you know and and but at that point you know he I guess he just loved me for me and we stayed together for quite a while and but again you know so dishonest so dishonest about what I was doing I I didn't want to tell people I didn't you know there was just so much shame in in what I was doing with food you know I gotta say that you know, when I got my driver's license at 16, my disease hit the frickin' jackpot. Like, now I have the freedom to go and get whatever I wanted. And, and that's what landed me in the doors. You know, and then, and then when I, when I, when it, you know, I, I had maintained that, like, for about three years. And um, then I gained it all back. And, you know, it was all your guys' fault. I remember going to meetings. And being like, this is a program of attraction. Nobody has what I want here. You know, and at that, that, I think that that's when the shift was happening back to, like, more dieting with group support. And, you know, I would go to meetings and dump. Like, I would tell you all about my week and how, you know, I, I binged my face off. And I would never share any experience, strength, or hope. Like, there was no strength and hope in my sharing. It was all about, like, life sucks. I'm a compulsive reader. I'm coming here to cry my face off. And then I'm going to, you know, go home and maybe try and be abstinent. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to work the steps. And I'm not going to, you know, pretty much do anything until the next week when I remember that I'm in OA and come back to this meeting. And that's how I lived my OA program for a lot of years, you know, those half measures. Like, well, not even half measures. I wasn't really doing anything. I knew that the program worked because, you know, when I first came in, I was introduced to the book and things started to change, but I, but I missed some concepts. I, I missed some key concepts in this book, some key warnings. And, you know, so I, so here I am, you know, doing this for a long time and, and, you know, life, I have a, I have a daughter who's, you know, going to be 18 in February. I, you know, I, I, I dated addicts. I, I was always going to help people. I was going to save people. I couldn't even save myself, but I was going to save you. And, you know, I, I was large and I was in charge. I was getting her done. And, you know, those relationships always ended bad. And, you know, I got pregnant at a young age. I had to move back home with my mom. My mom helped me raise my daughter. And, you know, we did a pretty good job. Um, she's a good kid today. Um, thank you, God. And, you know, I was never independent. I was always very dependent on my mom. She was a big part of my life. And, you know, there was a lot of codependency stuff with us. Um, but I just, I never grew up. I feel like I never was able to stand on my own two feet. You know, I always had somebody to run back to that would save me. If I had problems with my weight, if I had financial problems, if I had boy problems, if I had work problems, you know, who would I call? My mom was like my higher power. That's what I, who I'd go to. You know, and I, at that time, you know, when I, when I um, had, my, had my daughter, I was, was about 350 pounds. Um, and, you know, this disease was killing me, but I didn't see it. I was so blind. I couldn't differentiate the truth from the false. Like, you know, I just, I just, I, I would look in the mirror and I didn't see it, you know, because people always tell, would always say to me, Brandy, you have such a pretty face. So all I would look at is my face, which was getting bigger, but like, it's still okay. 
you know, I rationalized, I, I did whatever I could. And, you know, I keep saying I, but today I, I like to say my disease rationalized that, you know, like I had this disease of compulsive overeating and my life was so unmanageable and my disease told me lies and told me stories that I believed, you know, like it's not that bad. And so, you know, I, I started getting more involved in a way not really like, you know, just with the fellowship because um, <clears throat> after my second daughter was born, you know, she's 12 now or no, she's 11. She'll be 12 soon. And I was really struggling. And, you know, here I was with this baby and like, I was just, I was struggling hard and my husband wanted to leave me. I've been married twice. Um, and I've been in lots of relationships. That's something I still, you know, am working through today. Um, but I, you know, my husband wanted to leave me. And I was like, I couldn't understand why. Because I was a crazy person. That's why. I had rage like you wouldn't believe. He rode the roller coaster of me putting down the sugar, picking up, putting down the sugar, picking up. You know, I was... I beat that guy, man. I, he was such a good person. And I took pieces of his like soul and just ripped them up. Like I was such a bag to him. I'm trying to be cognizant of my swearing because I do like to swear, but I know this is recorded. So I'll use bag. Um, and, you know, I was devastated because I couldn't convince him that he should stay with me. I remember sitting out on the porch with him and he's like, I want to leave. And I'm like, no, no. Like, you know, why would you want to leave me? I'll, I'll do better. I'll go to counseling. I'll do whatever I can. And, you know, he, he still left. He wanted to leave. I had done enough damage. And, you know, that's kind of where I woke up a little bit and I was like, Ooh, you need some help. Like this food thing is getting out of control. And because you're so unhappy with yourself, you crap all over everyone else. You know, at that point, my sister couldn't really, didn't really want to be around me. I had done some mean things to her husband. I was just, you know, I was that tornado where they talk in the big book. And I was like touching everyone's life in negative ways. And, you know, if you didn't do what Brandy wanted you to do, huh, well, you would feel that tornado. Because I was getting even. I held on to resentment. I didn't forgive. And, you know, things were, things were piling up. So in 2017, I heard about like this L.A. birthday party. And so this girl from Canada got on a plane all by herself and decided that she was just going to go. And you know what? That's, that's, you know, seeds were planted. Seeds were planted at that time. I need to tell you, though, I showed up and I was in L.A. all by myself and I had a friend there. And I remember it was the Thursday night. I came in early so I could see my friend. And I... I was so excited for this birthday party, but she called me up and she said, Brandy, like, let's, let's go out. And still not abstinent, you know, still doing my thing, drinking, whatever I needed to do to numb out. And so we went out that night and um, I ate 
and I drank, and I lost my wallet. Here I am all by myself. I left it in the Uber. And all by myself, all my money was in there. You know, like, this is my first time traveling alone. And I, so what did, so I go back to the hotel and, you know, I'm, I'm out of it. So I, I don't, I don't, I just go to sleep. And of course my wallet's not going to be in this Uber the next day. You know, all my money's gone, all my cards. Thank God I was smart enough to leave my passport in the hotel. And here I was, and I knew no one. And these lovely people in a way carried me through that weekend. I had no money. I had no money to eat. I had, like, it, it was crazy. And these beautiful people just surrounded themselves around me and helped me, even though I had screwed up. Even though, like, I was such a, like, I felt like such a loser. Like, who does that? Well, I do that. And so, you know, what I saw at the birthday party that, that weekend was these people who were sharing about like a different message, you know, that was the first time I had been introduced to vision. And they, you know, I was seeing these people in the flesh, not on the phone, where they were saying like, you know, they're free from the bondage of food. And they're like, they were happy, they were excited. And I'm like, huh, how does that work? How do you be happy when you're not eating? And what was really attractive is they had healthy body weights. And for me, it was all about just getting thin. I wanted you to give me the potion to get thin and to not have to put down my food. You know, that's all I wanted. You know, your spiritual stuff, and I, I was good. And so, you know what? Seeds were planted. The next year, I went back again. And still, you know, still, still, doing, still doing the brandy way. And, you know, the disease is getting worse. And, you know, when it says in this book that this, that this is a progressive illness, I'm here to tell you that it is. Because so many of the things I said I would never do, I did at the end. You know, I said I would never be one of those people who goes to, like, a convention and eats in the room or do anything like that. Like, how could you do that? That's so stupid. Like, you're with all these people. That was my attitude. My ego was so big. I thought I knew best. I thought I knew everything. Here I was in 2018 in L.A., not eating in my room, eating in the conference room. Well, speakers are talking. You know, I'm sitting in the back. I had went to the, the store, like, in the hotel. And for those of you who know the hotel, you know, like, that's a pretty little store. I went in there so many times. I bought the biggest chocolate bars, put them in my purse, sat at the back of the room. Actually, I didn't sit. I stood and just pulled little pieces out and eight. Here I am with 800 compulsive overeaters and I'm eating. You know, my disease took me to places where I said I would never go. And, you know, I got to tell you that that trip, I had met somebody the year before and I just loved her and, you know, our kids became pen pals. And so we were going, I went out, I think on the conference starts on the Friday, I went out on the Tuesday or the Wednesday and I was taking my daughter that's now 11 for her birthday. To, I, wa- I wanted to take her to Disneyland. Just her and I, just her and mom. And guys, I showed up in my disease on that trip. And I remember being miserable in the food. And here we were in Disneyland. I was with my princess. And all I could do 
is just berate her and put her down. And I remember we were standing in this line to go on a ride. And she was scared. She was, she was scared. She was only little. Like, that was, like, three, four years ago. And she was scared. And I, I was saying to her, I'm like, I brought you here and, you know, spent all this money. And, and for you, what, to not go on rides? Like, because, you know what, selfish, self-centered, Brandy wanted to go on all the rides. Because I could fit in them at Disneyland. Can't fit on them here. And so she, you know, she... I could see like just her sinking in that as I'm talking and, you know, no wonder your friend, you don't have very many friends and, you know, and this, at one point, this girl who was standing in front of us, who was about 15, she, she quickly walked away from me because she could hear obviously what I was saying. Cause you know what? I didn't care. I didn't care what you thought of me because it was you, you guys were all the problem, not me. And she walked away, and I, she went and told her mom what I was saying because they both looked at me. And you would think that would have been my cue to shut my mouth, but no. Because, again, I wasn't the problem. Everyone else was. So, you know, I went to that birthday party, and as I'm eating my food, you know, on the Saturday morning, I wake up hungover, and I'm, I'm in breakfast at, you know, um, they have this hospitality suite and my girlfriend and I are sitting there and we, we sit at this table because it's packed in there and we happen to sit with a bunch of vision people and they start telling me their stories. And, you know, I, I didn't really want to hear it at that time, but I met this lady and I was, she was so kind and she, she listened to me and I told her what I was doing. I was honest. And she, she could see at that point, you know, I thought I was desperate. I thought I thought I was done. And you know, she she thought I was done. And so she said to me, she said, like, why don't I work with you? And so she did. And it was really great. And you know, she took me through the book. I told her, I said, sugar's my problem. That's what I have to put down. Again, not honest. Sugar wasn't my only problem. I know that I was eating out of bags and boxes. And so I put down the sugar, and I was so proud of myself. I did it. Can you hear? I did it. And um, I was so proud of myself. You know, I, I was off sugar for seven months, and, you know, I was sponsoring, and I was doing, you know, what I needed to do, what this book told me. But I was still living in the half measures. You know, I wasn't heeding the warning. And so, you know, life hit me in um, – in 2000, in July 2018, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, my abstinence was rocky at that time. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I remember sitting on my back porch and, you know, at that time, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to, to numb these feelings. Because, you know what, I don't know how to feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't, I, I use food and other things for ease and comfort. And so I'm having these emotions and they're coming and they're coming strong. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, my husband's going to die. Because as soon as you hear the C word, my husband's going to die. I'm going to be alone. My worst nightmare, I'm going to be alone. Like, I need to be with somebody because they're who makes me okay. And, you know, I, we, found, you know, we went through his, his treatment. You know, his mom had just passed away in the May 
before he got diagnosed and you know his mom was his biggest support he was like his with his mom the way I was with my mom and uh you know we're two sick individuals in a relationship just trying to make it and so you know when he was going through his treatment I picked up again and now I had two problems my husband had cancer and I was in the food and when I'm in the food I'm not a nice person so do you think I could be kind compassionate and loving to this person who was sick my husband was a champ he went through you know with the cancer he had he had so many treatments of chemo and radiation and you know I wasn't there to tell him he was a champ I was there to be like really does it make you that tired really you have to sleep all that time you know I was so unkind to that man and but today I don't have to feel guilty about that because this is where my disease took me and just remember how I started I was okay like I was a pretty nice person people liked me you know I was getting to the point where people didn't want to be around me and so you know I just I continued on the journey with my husband and in in and it took about a year and a half for him he's cancer free today but in that time I continued to eat because I didn't I couldn't feel that pain it was too hard and in um, you know February his dad passed away so here man you know mom May him July February his dad so him and I are like wow you know that's a lot of loss and I'm not dealing I'm not dealing I'm eating I'm there for nobody and um, my mom calls me in March and says you know Brenda you need to come over my mom doesn't call me to come over I always call her and I could tell in her voice that something wasn't right and I knew that she had had some testing the week before and so she called me over and she she said I need you to sit down and she she had a bottle of wine there for me how nice I'm not an alcoholic and I said she's like do you want a glass of wine and I'm like well am I going to need it you might want one so you know what whatever anything to not like what am I going to hear you know and so I sit on the couch with her and I'm sitting beside her and she said Brandy I have stage four pancreatic cancer and at that time I had no idea that pancreatic cancer is you know it's a death sentence that you typically don't live and I'm like oh well we're gonna fight it you know you're gonna and I just cried and I cried and I cried and I held her and I said to her I said I don't know how I'm gonna live without you I don't know how I'm gonna stay on this earth without you mom and she said you're gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay and you know so I came home that night and I did some research and I found out what pancreatic cancer does and I knew I knew my mom was dying my worst nightmare my worst nightmare guys this was a woman who loved me like no one else and she was gonna die and all I wanted to do was die with her and so I didn't get well I just kept eating because I couldn't handle the feelings they were too painful and uncomfortable and food was always my go-to whenever I had uncomfortable feelings and so I continued to eat and my mom would say to me Brandy you're not going to continue like this are you 
And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop, Mom. And, you know, at that point, I was eating myself way up over 300, like up to 300 pounds again. And my mom could see it. Here she was dying. And and I can't be a part of her life right now because I'm too busy in the food and dealing with outside issues because I pick up something else. And, you know, I couldn't get out of bed. Here's a woman who I love. And I couldn't get out of bed to go be with her. Because all I wanted to do was numb out with the food and numb out with my outside issues so I didn't have to feel. And so, you know, we, my mom died August 26th and I still was not well. And, but in, in the midst of all that stuff, I picked up the phone one day and I called somebody because I knew I was like, I was in trouble. And he said to me, he said, Brandy, maybe you need more than, more than what Oi can give you at this point. Right? Here I am, this person who Oi was, you know, working kind of. And now I need outside help? What? I need help to put down the food? Because I couldn't, you guys were telling me, put down the food for three days and work the stuff so quickly, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't care what anyone says. I wanted to eat. I was not, you know, I was desperate. I wanted to stop, but I also couldn't handle how I was feeling. And so, you know, after my mom died, I went for outside help, and it was the best thing that I've ever done. I put down the food. That was September 12th, 2019, and I've been clean ever since. I've been clean ever since. I had to figure out nothing. God figured it out for me. I went through all of my firsts without my mom, clean. I never thought I could do those things. But again, God did it for me. My life has transformed. I'm not the same person as I was. When they talk in the big book about, you know, what needs to change, everything, everything needed to change. I said the set-aside prayer every single day for the first six months because I thought I knew everything. I'd been in this program so long, I could tell you exactly what everyone needs to do to get well. I had listened to Vision now for three years. I knew the big book. I could spout it off. But I wasn't putting any action into it. I was just, you know, doing, doing what Brandy thought was best, you know, because I didn't come here this time on a winning streak. I came here because I was desperate and dying, and I needed your help. You know, my Ebby, who I'm so grateful today, and this is, you know, I met him in 2019 at the birthday party, and he taught me. I didn't get well with him, but he was like a celebrity sponsor. I thought, like, yeah, now's my time. This is going to get me well. And this man taught me, so much about this book. He planted seeds. So never is your work wasted 
when we don't get well. You know, today, when I take people through this book, I'm not attached to whether or not they get well because I know what this person did for me. He taught me no human power is going to get me well. I relied on you guys for so long to get me well. No. God's going to get me well. You know, he made me see that no matter how great my sponsor is, a monkey could take me through this book if I'm ready. If I'm willing to put down the food and work these precise steps the way it's outlined in this book. You know, I can recover. And he used to always say to me, Brandy, you got to put down the food entirely. You got to put down the food entirely. You know, again, I was on the sugar kick. And the biggest thing he taught me is this is a spiritual program of action. I'm either going towards God or I'm going towards the disease. There's no middle of the road solution. There's no, like, you know, it's either one or the other. And, you know, and he also taught me that if it's not in the big book, it's the opinion of an addict. You know, there was a lot of great ideas floating around. But if it's not in this book, we're just getting another addict's opinion. And they're, you know, I don't know. They could have really great ideas. And they may work. But I, I always like to go back to the text today. And the last thing, you know, it's like, I wish I, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was able to recover with this person and, you know, things were great. But he just planted seeds for me. He was my Ebby. He taught me about this book. And he was a man with an answer of, a, of depth and weight. And I could see in him. And he was so kind to me. Even though I kept going back to the food, he was so kind to me. And I just, you know, like so much love in my heart for that person today. And, you know, today I, I don't have a vision sponsor. I, I have a sponsor who, you know, works the big book, which I always thought I would, you know, have a vision sponsor. And I consider that I'm, you know, I call myself a vision sponsor. But she gives me what I need today. You know, um, she, she tells me, she can call me on my shit, you know. Like when feelings are starting to come up, she, she'll show me. She'll show me where to go. She'll show me what I need to do. And then she'll say, go to God, pray about it. You know, and my life has changed so much. And I just want to talk to you guys about some of the things in the big book that I failed, failed to heed, you know, on page 15, or sorry, bottom of page 14 in Bill's story. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if to drink, if he drank, he would surely die. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to die today. I want to live. And if it means that I have to self-sacrifice and work with others, not only you people, but also with my family. Got to be present with my family. They were so impacted by my disease. And, you know, my husband tells me all the time, Brandy, like, you've changed so much. I just can't believe who you are. And, you know, last night, I got to tell you, we're driving and we're going to look at some lights and he didn't make the turn. 
that he should have made. Previously, I would have laid on him. Today, that's not even a thought. You know, I was like, oh, I think you missed the turn. Oh, yeah, we're taking too long. Okay, yeah. You know, whatever. That's where God needed us to go. I don't need to beat the shit out of somebody because they took a wrong turn. You know, I've grown up in this program. And, you know, I thought I was a growing up before, but, you know, no, like, I'm growing up today. And I still, you know, I'm only a year and three months in. I was, I'm just a baby, and I'm a baby that's so happy. And, you know, life's only going to get better in this, if I continue to do what this big book says for me to do and watch for the signs. You know, I had to be open, honest, and willing. And that's what I show up with every day. You know, I have to get up early in the morning. I was not a morning person. I have to get up early in the morning to talk to some of my sponsees. Yep, sometimes I got to get up at 5. Today it's 6.30 on a weekend. Got to be willing. Got to be willing to do those things. Because my disease is still here. I'm still a compulsive reader, regardless if I'm neutral with food, regardless of, you know, talking to you on the lines. I'm still a compulsive overeater, and that's never going away. And you know what was different this time? I accepted that. I accepted who and what I was. I accepted that I had the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and that no human power was going to be able to relieve that from me. Today, I know that if I take a bite of any of my alcoholic foods, which includes sugar, fat, and flour, you know, I got on this this time, and amazing, I don't have physical cravings once all the foods are gone. Like, you know, what they say is true here. If I'm still having cravings, I'm still eating something that's triggering my allergy. That's the bottom line, you know. And then if I'm having the mental obsession, if something's going on in the head, then I need to work a 10-step or do something different. You know, I got to get out of me because I'm the selfish, I am self-centered beyond. And so in, in more about alcoholism, this is my favorite chapter because this is me. You know, most of us, the first page, um, most of us were unwilling to admit we are real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. I wanted to prove to you that I could eat, like, I, I didn't have this. You know, I didn't want to have this disease, and I wanted to prove it. Look how well I was doing. I'm dying trying to prove it. You know, and life opens up as soon as I surrender and accept that who I am and what I am today. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And I'm also okay to tell other people I'm okay with it. You know, I'm a food addict. I use food like alcohol, like an alcoholic uses alcohol. That's the bottom line for me. And so, you know, some of these warnings that I just, I just skimmed over, you know, and the next one is in more about alcoholism on page 33. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, no any lurking notion that someday I will be immune to food, to those foods. You know, like all the years in a way, I always thought once I got to my goal weight, I would be able to eat. I would be able to eat in moderation. And, you know, I was always, I never went into a period of abstinence. I was always like, when's the, sh- when's the shoe going to drop? When's the other shoe going to drop? You know, what, you know, something, something's going to go wrong. And my sponsor this time said to me, 
She said, but then you have another shoe. And I'm like, oh, great concept. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And God has me, you know. So the next thing in the big book, you know, it's in We Agnostics, page 45. I hated this chapter. I used to dread reading it. Today, it's one of my favorites. Because, you know, I needed to set aside everything I think I knew. I had lots of prejudice and lots of ideas. And you know what? Brandy's way didn't work. And so today, I don't, you know, I don't depend on, I don't rely on my own thinking. That's why I have you guys to tell me. Yeah, no, Brandy, I think you're a bit off base. Oh, okay. You know, and today I'm willing to listen. Because you've proven to me that you know better. And that God speaks through you. And I also have to say that my first contact is no longer you guys. My first contact today is God. You know, when I'm feeling those feelings bubbling inside, okay, God, something's going on. I need your help. Please restore me to sanity because right now I'm feeling a little insane. If, should that be your will? If you want me to sit in this anxiety, God, well, then I'm going to sit here. Whatever you need. You know, and on page 45, it says lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power from which we could, for which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But they, where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. What? This book isn't about helping us put down alcohol or food. Like, this book is about helping me find God. I miss that. I miss that for so many years. You know, I was people-reliant. I was brandy reliant, whatever, diet reliant. But this book showed me how to get closer to my creator and, you know, live in the sunlight of the spirit. What a novel concept. And that creator was going to give me the power that I lacked. Because, you know, I never thought I lacked power. I had power. I was a bag. I I could be powerful. That's not the kind of power I want to be today. You know, God's given me the power to be neutral with food. He's done that, not me. I could never do that on my own. And it was because I worked the directions in this book. Exactly, precisely how they're laid out. You know, I, on page 66, you know, it tells me that any life, in resentment leads to futility and happiness. Today, I can't afford to have resentments. Hating on you hurts me. And, you know, it will be bad for me. And it also says, you know, if we were to live, we had to be free of the grouch and the anger, like the brainstorm. When my daughter last night was being grouchy and having her own stuff, you know, the old brandy would have said, or the disease Brandy would have said, come on, you're ruining everyone's time. Like, why'd you come with us? Blah, 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 blah. You know, I would have went off. Instead, I sat quietly. And I, you know, just enjoyed the time with the rest of my family members. She needs to have her own experience. I need to stay in my own lane. I'm not here. I am not in, in charge of anything or anyone. And you know what? That was God's experience last night. That's how he wanted us to have it. You know, I don't know what she needs to learn, but I need to let other people have their own experiences. Where before I just wanted to save them and, you know, make sure my kids didn't have any pain. Well, their pain is what's going to get them 
to the point of having, you know, learning experiences. I can't take those away from them. You know, it says here, which I struggle in relationships. I do in it with, you know, in the, in the sexual relationships. And, you know, when I was in my relapse and, you know, my mom was dying, I didn't have time to spend with her, but I had time to have an affair on my husband. And, you know, that was just another way that I was trying to fill myself up, trying to, trying to feel better. And, you know, I would, st- I, male attention has been like something that I have like longed for. And that's always what made me feel good. I wouldn't wear my wedding ring. I would go, I would, I work in a male dominant industry and I would go to conferences and I'd leave my wedding ring at home because I loved when they gave me attention. It gave me high. I loved it because that's what addicts do, you know, like they want that high. They want that effect. I was no different. And, you know, once I started my recovery in this journey, I made the commitment to my sponsor. I'm going to wear my wedding ring. If, you know, I'm not, I needed to make, you know, I needed to set out some ideals for what this was going to look like for me because I knew I didn't want to act that way anymore. And so, you know, today I don't flirt. God's removed that. God's removed the need for me to take off my wedding ring because I feel okay just being who I am. You know, I was that person who would walk in, you know, I, I go swimming. Or, or to the gym now, and um, I would that per- I would be that person who'd walk in and like barely say hello to you. You know, today if I see you, I don't care if you're a stranger. Hey, how's it going? You know, I want to show up in a different way. I want to love people. You're God's kids, man. And you know, I was so insecure before, and so like you know, and and today I gotta tell you, I thought I needed to be thin to be secure. And today, you know, I've, I've, I've removed or God's removed 116 pounds from my body, but I still am working towards a healthy body weight. And I can show up and be confident because I'm just a beacon of God's light to others. You know, yesterday my husband said, my husband, this guy cut him off. And he's like, you know, what an idiot. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I've made those mistakes too before. And, and, and my daughter pipes up and said, I do that all the time. And, you know, I said, and my husband looks at me and he's like, yeah, I guess he's not an idiot. You know, like, I can, I don't need, and I would have been that. I would have been that. That guy would have been an idiot. But now I can cross the street and say, oh, man, I bet you he feels like such a moron. Like, we don't need to call him an idiot here. And, you know, the last thing I want to touch on quickly is about sponsorship. Um, and I'm going to go to, I mean, I have so much more marked here, but I just don't have time. Um, but, you know, chapter, chapter seven, working with others. I didn't work with others very often. And when I did, it was not the bright spot of my life. I didn't like it. I didn't want to answer the calls. I didn't, you know, I... I was like, why? You know, and in here, the first sentence, it says, practical experience shows us that nothing so much as 
It ensures us immunity from drinking as intensive work with another alcoholic. It works when other activities fail. You know, today, I'm always in this book with somebody. I always make sure that I at least have one sponsee going through the book because it helps me. I find more uncovering, discovering, and discarding, like, you know, because I'm growing. You know, and if I'm not growing in my recovery, then I'm not recovering. Like, I'm not... I'm just not growing. And today I want to grow. You know, there's so much more brandy in here that I don't know yet. And I want to know that brandy today. And, you know, I hear people say, you know, I I just don't have time or I just don't think I can do it as good as you, brandy. And I say, I didn't start out like this. I didn't start out knowing this. Taking you through the book is what's taught me. Listening to Vision for You is what's taught me. Calling people, asking them questions is what has taught me. Anyone can sponsor anyone because we're not in charge of the results. And so when somebody says to me, I just don't have time, Brandy. You know, I'm a full-time, I work full-time. I'm a manager by the grace of God. And I'm so good to my people today. I wasn't very good to them before. Um, when I get satisfaction surveys, I love it now because they, you know, my people like me because I'm kind to them. You know, I still am their manager, but I'm kind in the way I do it. I'm not large and in charge anymore. And I know what a team is supposed to function like. It's not the Brandy show. And, you know, I have kids. Both of them are, you know, one of them is like on her own pretty much now, but still lives at home. The other one, you know, she's still dependent on me. She plays hockey. I have a husband. I have a sister who loves me today. I got to tell you, she hated me. But she's seen the transformation and a consistent transformation. And, you know, I thought when my mom died, I was going to be alone. But the gift of this all is that I'm not today because God has brought these people into my life to experience this with me. And, you know, so when you tell me you can't sponsor because you don't have time, I had to get up earlier. I had to do it in the mornings. You know, I do it like some people, you know, book a time and that's it. No, for me, like, I'm like, okay, it's, so what's going to work for you today? What's going to work for me? You know, if you're that, if you need a sponsor who needs the same time every day, well, then I probably wouldn't be the one because, you know, I do need the flexibility because I'm, I have, I have a family and kids. And I also need to be of service to them today. And you know what? I'm going to close with the fact that my greatest fear was my mom passing away. And today I need to tell you that that's my greatest gift. Had my mom not passed away, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in the, I wouldn't have got that desperate. You know, God showed me that I needed to stand on my own two feet. And today, you know, he's standing with me. He's carrying me. My mom is no longer carrying me. God is today. And I know that she's with me all the time. And I am just so grateful that you know, this is, this has been my experience. And, 
And it's because of the, you know, people that walked before me and showed me the way for all those years. Even though I wasn't following your direction, I was listening. And today, you know, I'm recovered. And I, I don't want to eat compulsively, which is amazing. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Brandy, for your message of hope and sharing your inspiring, remarkable story of transformation with all of us this morning. Thank you so much for giving of yourself this morning. Brandy's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Brandy, pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your first name, including the initial of your last name. Star 1 Lydia to unmute. This is Larry K. Larry K. Christine M. Christine. Chris M. Brand Michael S. Nancy R. Brand M. Okay, this is who I have. I missed a few, I believe. Lydia K. Is that correct? Larry K. Christine M. Chris M. Michael H., Nancy R., Fran M. Who did I miss and who did I get incorrectly? Lisa G. Okay. Excellent. All right. That's a good group. Lydia T., let's start with you, please. Hi, this is Lydia T. Um, in Marquette, Michigan, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater. Brandy, thank you so much for all your honesty and um, just being able to share your story with us today. Um, what a gift for me today. And I'm going to get choked up, but when you were talking about your mom, what a gift. And, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that. And my question is going to go forward to the end of your talk about when people aren't ready to sponsor uh, or tell you as your sponsee that they're not ready to sponsor. Um, I do the same and tell them, you know, you just need to, you know, illuminate the book. Um, what are some, What is some other advice or um, things you could share with what we can share with the newcomer who's just had a spiritual awakening about sponsoring. That would be helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, so for me, you know, the first thing that popped into my head was it's not, so I had actually a sponsor say to me, you know, Brandy, I'm just not ready. I don't have the time. You know, I'm scared I'm going to let people down. And, you know, all I did was pull out my big book and just recite to her what it says. And then I got to leave the results up to God. You know, if, if she feels she's not ready, then I can't push my way of life on her. And I've really learned that I just need to shut my mouth and let God be in charge. Um, but the people that, you know, have wanted to sponsor, or, you know, are a little nervous. I just really encourage them throughout the whole process, you know, like, and I say, you might want to mark this down because 
something you might want to share with one of your sponsees. So as I'm going through the book with them, I'm constantly pointing out things that like, hey, this is important. You know, this is something you're going to want your sponsees to know. And, and I always let them know, like reassure them, like I am here for you. You know, I am here to help you sponsor. And I know some people, you know, take them through the book and let them go. Um, I don't do that. I, I personally, I talk to my sponsees once a week. You know, I, I let them go. I don't talk to them every day. But, you know, they, they still send in their check-ins to me nightly, like I do to my sponsor. And, and we, we still, you know, have conversations. That relationship's not done. You know, and if they're struggling with any sort of sponsee, they call me, they talk about it, we, you know, we pray about it together. And, you know, I guess the beautiful thing about sponsorship is like, there's a community of people here. And, you know, I just always like tell people, call, call this person, ask this person how they did it. You know, the only way that we're going to be comfortable is just to do it, you know, and, but I don't force people. I'm not in the business of making you do what I want you to do because then I'm just ac- exercising my will instead of God's. So that's all I have. Thanks. Thank you, Lydia T., for the question. Larry Kay, you're up. Okay. Hey, thanks uh, for your service, Leah. And Brandy, so beautiful to hear your, your story of transformation. Just uh, Just very inspiring. And, um, yeah, I, I bet your mom is smiling, is smiling on you uh, today. Um, my question is, you spoke about coming into program at 16. Yeah, we, we, and you alluded to the fact we don't see very many young people coming into program. Um, and I wonder if you'd be willing to speak to, if you have any thoughts about how we as a fellowship could do a better job of, um, you know, attracting younger people, maybe not even attracting, but, you know, just being the type of fellowship that is um, comfortable, because obviously you've gone through that experience. Do you have any thoughts about that, Brandy, with regard to younger folks? Thank you, Larry. Uh, Thanks for the question. You know, when I came in, I got to say that everyone did a really good job of loving me. You know, they, they, they did a fantastic job of loving me. And that's what I needed at that time. Um, But there was a lot of, like, I never felt like I fit in, even being in the rooms for a lot of years. Like, even though they loved me and they said, you know, we're so glad you're here and that you're here so young, like, you know, they were all at, like, I always wished, I remember wishing that, I wish there was just younger people here. Like, I wish that I had people my own age, like, so that I could relate to them. And, you know, I think I think a way is trying in this area. You know, I know of a lot of different, you know, things that are happening as far as young people in a way. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't know. For me, I think it's about, you know, if you do have a young person coming to the rooms, just, just making sure that they're included. Like, I always felt that no one would ever want me to sponsor them because I'm too young, you know. Well, and... <laughs> part of that could have been my disease. I think no one wanted me to sponsor them because they didn't have what they wanted, right? Like, you know, I was in and out of relapse. Um, But for the first, you know, for the first two or three years, I did, I thought, I thought I had pretty good recovery. Um, But I never was asked to be a sponsor, you know, like, I just, you know, even in the rooms, I just felt like there was more clicks. And so it's, you know, being, united even if a person is younger or you know race or whatever 
you know, just making sure that we're focusing on that unity. And, you know, I, that's something that recently I've really started to work on is, you know, making sure I've started doing a tradition study and making sure that I am being all encompassing. And I'm not just talking to, you know, the people that I like, or, you know, that I connect with, that I'm giving people different opportunities. And I think, you know, young people need that as well. And, um, you know, I think that there's only so much we can do to bring people to the rooms. And, you know, I look at, I look at my daughter today and I always think like, you know, I've talked to her about program because she does struggle with food stuff. And she, she says to me, but I, I don't want to do like all of what you do. Like I, I, that, that seems like so much mom. And I'm like, no, that's fair. She's like, I, I mean, obviously I'm so, I see that it works in you and, you know, she's grateful for the program, but she's, she's not there yet. She's not there yet. And, and I, I got to say that when I was um, going through the big book, now that I look back and, you know, I don't think I really understood a lot of it. So it's taking the time with those people and really like explaining it because, you know, reading it is one thing, but just, you know, explaining it, bringing that, like I tell people all the time, listen to vision. It's like really good for information. Listen to this podcast. You know, I, I use the giants in these rooms to, to help me with that stuff explaining. But um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Christine M. Star one to unmute. Hi, good morning. Uh, Thank you. Everything that you were talking about um, resonates with me. And um, my question, you know, you were talking about... um, that male attention or, you know, um, I, I, I feel like God is giving me different signals. I've been in the rooms, um, since June and, uh, I recently have had a long bout of abstinence and I have very self-sabotaging behavior and I, I, I ate my uh, food uh, the other night and felt so sick, but I realized a lot of the loneliness of this time period right now. Um, you know, can you t- just go on a little bit more? The question is, how did you have that awakening? And, you know, what did your prayers to God look like at that time period? Because I struggle with uh, body image and acceptance in social circles and I'm really without a partner and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Um, you know, uh, my sponsor suggested, and I, I'm working with my sponsor. I, I feel it's necessary to learn how to love myself a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That, that's, you know. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Um, for me, as far as how I got to this place, that was a God deal through the, through the 12 steps. And, you know, I heard somebody, and this was another thing that my sponsor um, previously where I was, he was planting seeds taught me is that, you know, if there's something lacking in, in your program and things, areas you're still struggling in, maybe, you know, you need to go back through the work. Like maybe there was something that we missed in the work. And so today when I am feeling insecure or, you know, I mean, I haven't had the desire in a long time to take off my wedding ring, but when I do, you know, I would, I sit down with God and, and my prayers look like, God, 
I want attention. What is it right now that I, that I'm looking to fill? Like, why is it that I need a male to fill that there's something empty within me, God, that I need you to fill. Please remove my desire to want attention so that I feel okay. And my, I, what I've learned through everything is that it always goes back to I'm not good enough. You know, I'm just not good enough. Because that was something that, you know, from a very young girl was shown to me. You know, I'm only good enough if I'm thin. I'm only lovable if I'm thin. You know, and and so those are the patterns that I've carried with me. And And so today, you know, it's like, God, help me just be lovable with your love. You know, help me feel that you love me. And that's all I need. I don't need other people to love me. And, you know, I mean, for me, abstinence is just part of my program, right? Like, obviously, I had to put down the food. I have a food plan, all that. But the real, when the rubber hits the road, it's with this work, like this, this changing the thinking, you know. And, and I've had to write, you know, I, I've learned who writes really good prayers, um, because sometimes I'm not always good. I'll, I'll call them and I'll say, this is what I'm feeling and this is what's going on. Can you write me a prayer? And they'll write me a prayer and I'll say it every day, you know, and this, this situation happened with my daughter where she was having trouble in school and I had troubles in school. So it was like, you know, where people didn't like me and my friends all turned against me. So it was bringing up stuff for me. It was bringing up uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I said, hey, buddy, like, can you write me a prayer? And so I said that prayer, you know, help me heal the part of me that hurts by this, God, so that I can be of maximum service to my child. Because I'm not of maximum service to my girl if I'm in my shit. I, you know, I'm coming from a place of fear. God doesn't need me to come from a place from fear, right? That's just going to make more fear. And so, you know, I can let her have her experience. And I can feel uncomfortable, but that prayer, I said it for, you know, I think two weeks and, you know, today I show up differently when things are happening in her life. So find somebody. Very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, they can help you. Call me. I can give you names. <laughs> Thanks, for Chris. Thank you. Thanks for your question. Chris M., your turn. Was there a Chris M? Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Please go ahead with your question. Thank you. This is Chris M, a recovered compulsive eater in New York. Thank you so much, Brandy. Um, I really related to your uh, recovery um, story and transformation. And I also missed, completely missed, for 34 years of being in this program, Completely missed the line where Bill W. says the whole purpose of the book is to help us find a power greater than ourselves. And when I saw that this year, I was like, wow, yep. But my question mm-hmm. is, I have, um, you know, some sponsees and, and fellows that I've been talking to that are really upset about the fact that they're finding out some things about themselves. They're, they're looking into themselves and... Um, they're seeing how they behave and they're feeling really at a 
feeling bad about themselves. And and my um, my answer is, hey, you know what? The more desperate we are, you know, the more we're ready to to take that leap. And it is desperation that we're looking for. So we we ought not be afraid of that. And you mentioned that a little bit at some point in your story. Can you talk about that, about um, helping people understand that desperation is not a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your question. Um, so a few things are popping into my head right now, and one of them is my phrase that I learned very quickly um, as I started to go through the work this time was, put the bat down. There is no need for the bat. I don't need to beat myself up over this. Brandy did not do this. Brandy has a disease that did this. You know, and not that that means that I negate responsibility, but if I, you know, I would want to do better. I wanted to do better. Brandy wanted to be clean. Brandy wanted to be a nice person, you know, but unfortunately I have a disease that wants me dead or fortunately or unfortunately, whatever. Um, My disease likes when I'm in chaos. My disease enjoys when I'm beating myself up, you know, and there's just no room for that anymore, you know, and, and I have a sponsor that's very good at being like, yeah, no, that, no, is that actually true? You know, and, and I can work it through the feelings. Like, you know, it's like, we have to question this thinking, you know, does that mean, you know, yeah, I did some crappy things, but does that mean I'm a horrible person? No, I'm a person with a disease that's, now knows better and is trying to do better. You know, I didn't know in those situations, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, like, I shouldn't be acting that way. I shouldn't, you know, that was my normal. That was how I acted. And so today it's like, yeah, no, that's not acceptable anymore. But I don't need to beat myself up over it. It's not helpful. Thank you, Chris M., for the question. Michael H., your turn. Hey, hi, good morning, Brandy. Thank you so much for that very powerful, very beautiful uh, story of transformation. It just touched so many areas of of life that are uh, just so real, and, and thank you so much, so powerful. So in recognizing God's handiwork in your life, I know that, you know, you weren't sprinkled with pixie dust. I know that you did the work, it sounds like. I feel like you did, and I'd love to learn more about that. Could you just run through real quick? Um, you know, summary, how, when, and where, like a 10-step, how you do those. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Michael. Um, Yes, yes, I can. So, you know, for me, it was just about, I'm I'm here to tell you when they say this program is simple, but it's not easy. Absolutely. It was hard. It was hard putting down the food. And anyone that doesn't tell a newcomer that, like, we got to be honest with these people, like, it was, I was, like, wanting to rip people's eyeballs out. I, you know, I should have been locked up. And I actually did get locked up because, you know, it was hard. Um, the first, I would say, that you know, the first week was, like, withdrawals and horrible. And, you know, but then it got better. And, you know, in the first month, I still, I, I actually, because my sponsor is not vision, I feel like I, you know, kept saying, okay, let's move forward. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So um, I did do the work very quickly because 
you know, I was on borrowed time. I, I knew that I would pick up that food if I did not work these steps and, um, you know, get to a place of living in 10, 11, and 12. Um, so, you know, I, I was fast. And I, I think the whole process with her took maybe, you know, a month or two. No, not even two. It was fast. And so, you know, I mean, step one, I had already done. I put down the food. Or sorry, step zero, I had done, put down the food. Step one, like that was what my outside help was so focused on. And, you know, I, I used to always say like I'm a chronic relapser, but what I learned is that actually I had a step one issue. I, I never thought I was powerless because if I thought I was powerless, I would not dare take that food, you know, but there was always that lurking notion in my mind that I could just get back on track on Monday and then Mondays weren't coming. I wasn't able to. And so, you know, I worked through, you know, step three is just a decision to, to carry on with the steps, you know, I've seen it in you. And so I, I believed it could happen for me. And, you know, I did my inventory and I always say like, I don't have to do a perfect inventory. You know, it shouldn't take that long. And if it does, then I'm writing too much and I can always go back. I've done several inventories over the last year. You know, if I miss something, I miss something that it wasn't God's will for me to put it down that time. I, I'm not a perfectionist about it. Let's get it. Let's get through the work. If something happens, you know, then I can put it, I can go back. You know, it's not like one and done with these steps. And so, you know, I did that. And then I, um, I looked at my character defects, you know, and, and for me, I had to, my character defects were a big deal. They, they were running, they were running the show a lot of the time, you know, my selfishness, my fear, you know, I lived most of my life in fear and, you know, the dishonesty was big. I was very dishonest. Um, I would tell you, I would tell like half the story true and then like add in some better things so that I looked better. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of just how I live my life. So I, I had to look at those, and, but I didn't stop. I didn't stop and look at those. I was just like, okay, these are to be aware of. And so, and then, you know, I, I did amends. I did, I had always held on to one amends that I knew I needed to make, like one of my wrongs. I never put it on my four step. And, um, you know, it says in the big book, like, you know, if we hold back, um, we could drink again. And, and that was my experience. And so, you know, this amends that I had to make, it was financial. I didn't want to do it because, you know, I'm selfish, self-centered. That meant that, you know, it's taking money out of my pocket and, and uh, you know, not seeing that actually I was taking money out of another pocket. And so, you know, I finally put that down and I stopped acting in the behavior that was causing that guilt. And, um, you know, today I'm free of all of my, all of the stuff I've done, you know, my secrets are out there, somebody knows them, and I've dealt with them. And, you know, um, God has them. And as far as the 10th step, you know, I follow, (laughs) okay, so my disease will take any easier, softer way, it will find any loophole. And so I remember in my seven months of abstinence, I remember people saying, well, you know, I just go to God first and if God removes it, then, then I don't, then I, then I just stop there. And so I did that and it didn't work very well for me. That was my experience, you know? So today I go to God, you know, something's come up. I'm angry. I'm a husband. He's not doing, he's not doing the brandy show and pisses me off. And so, you know, I'm going to God and I'm asking God to, you know, remove my character defects and just talking to him about it. You know, I don't have any, I don't, stick to prayers with my higher power like God is like my person that sits next to me and we talk all the time like he's my buddy that's my go-to and so 
Um, although I do prayer and meditation, it's not, you know, I don't pick a formal time and, you know, God's just with me all day long and we're talking and I, I, you know, the minute I open my eyes, it's like, Hey God, like, how's it going? Okay. You know, help me. And I go through some of the stuff that I'm supposed to do and, and then I'm done for the day. And, you know, God's just constantly with me and how I tell my sponsees to, cause how I got in that habit is I set a timer on my phone and I would talk to God all day long. And today is just natural. So, um, so yeah, I talk to God and then I, um, then I pick up the phone and I phone somebody, tell them, you know, Hey, this is, you know, I'm mad at my husband. He didn't take out the garbage. Like I asked him to, you know, I work through my character defects. Um, I, I do, I say the sick man's prayer because I find it peace. Like I find it very calming and, you know, it just kind of takes me out of the, if I'm really angry, it takes me out of the anger to think of that person as a sick person. That's not in the big book. So you don't have to do it. Um, and then I, um, then I just, um, tell them and I throw myself into, you know, service. What it was, what does service look like for me today? Well, it could look like me calling someone and, you know, saying how their day is going and not mentioning what just happened with me. Or, you know what, I have two kids. I have a husband that have suffered from my disease for many years and they could use my service too. So, you know, the other day, I had a amends and me and my daughter were at the pool. So what did I do? Or sorry, I had a 10 step. What did I do for my service? I got out early of the pool and I put out all of her clothes for her. And, you know, she's going to be 18. And, you know, I, I unwrinkled them. I, you know, insided them out because that's how they, they roll and stuff them in the locker. And, you know, when she came, all of her stuff was waiting there nicely to put on because, you know, swimming, most people hate getting dressed after because of that stuff. So, you know, I find ways that I can be of service to my family, telling them, you know, being available, putting down my phone, talking to them. And, you know, I just, I just get out of me and into you. So that's, and then, you know, with 11 and 12, I do my nightly reviews every single night. I commit my food every day. That's just something, you know, and I was also one that said I would never do that. Um, But, you know, that's where my disease took me. I had to do it. Um, And today it's free freeing for me um and you know like i said my relationship with god is very back and forth with that i'll pass thank you michael h for your question what a beautiful share of how you implemented these steps and continue to do so brandy and a very touching story of transformation and a wonderful place to wrap up after the sharing of the nuts and bolts of your program, your daily life. Thank you so much. Nancy R., Fran M., and Lisa G., thank you. I encourage you to touch base with Brandy for a one-on-one conversation. We're going to close now from page 164. You'll notice it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.